The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, Real Paranormal Activity is proud to present Terry's Mysterious Moments. Welcome to Season 2 of Terry's Mysterious Moments. Thank you for listening to the show. I hope you find something interesting. Or maybe something spooky. Or maybe something just... Mysterious. Well, howdy, hi there, friends and neighbors. This is Terry from Texas with another episode of Terry's Mysterious Moments where we're continuing on with the hotel theme, the haunted hotel theme. I've got a few more to talk about, so we're going to run it at least one more week, possibly two. So let's get right into the stories, okay? It has been described as having simple, rustic charm with its relaxing environment geared for hikers and true nature lovers. Bald Pate Inn sits on 12.8 acres and it's a fairly large mountain lodge. Owners have been careful to restore its unique architecture for which it was honored as a historical set of buildings. In the Bald Pate Inn's dining room on display are photos, autograph photos that is, of well-known people taken by Charles and Stuart Mace, the professional photographers of the family. Stewart died in Colorado from an illness in 1920, but both his work and the work of Brother Charles still bring joy to guests. On display in this special Hall of Fame are pictures of U.S. Presidents Teddy Roosevelt and Franklin Roosevelt, Woodrow Wilson, George Bush. There are movie celebrities Lana Turner, Gene Harlow, and Roy Rogers, and captains of industry Henry Ford, and Randolph Hearst. Folk heroes like Wild Bill Cody, Weston the Walker, and world-renowned figures Thomas Edison, Tetrazzini, isn't that a chicken dish, and Jack London. If you want to know who Weston the Walker is, you got to Google him. 
I cannot describe what they got this guy listed for. It's nothing vulgar, it's nothing crude, it's just something so totally off the wall. Anyway, Ethel and Gordon Mace were married in 1911 and decided to go on their honeymoon to Estes Park, Colorado. They fell in love with the area and decided to homestead a piece of land. Along with Gordon's two brothers, photographers Charles and Stuart, they built a small cabin and planted crops of rhubarb to fulfill the requirement of the Homestead Act. To bring in some needed funds, the Mace family built a few little cabins for tourists to stay while on a holiday in Estes Park. Because of the huge demand for these cabins, they decided to build an inn after their homestead patent was complete in January of 1917. Using the wood from trees on the property and stones around the area, they built themselves an inn using their own skills in woodwork and construction. At the suggestion of a visitor, author Earl Dare Biggers, who wrote Mysteries, they named their inn after Biggers' imaginary inn in his book, Seven Keys to Baldpate. In the spirit of the story in this novel, the Maces would give each guest a key to take home with them. Their guests also gave them some interesting keys in return, some becoming competitive with each other to find the most collectible key to give Ethel and Gordon. The first key donated to Ethel and Gordon was a key from guest Clarence Darrow, the lawyer, in 1923. Over the years, Ethel and Gordon's collection of celebrity keys grew to over 12,000 and includes Edgar Allan Poe's dorm room key, which was number 13, and Stephen King's key to the hotel room over at the Stanley Hotel, also in Estes Park, where he wrote his book, The Shining. This tradition of giving their guests a key ended during World War II because the high cost of metal However, the loyal guests continued to bring them keys, which added to Ballpate's considerable key collection. The Ballpate Inn opened in 1917, offering such amenities as hot running water, electric lights, and indoor plumbing, which I'm sure is greatly appreciated in the wintertime. The Ballpate Inn enjoyed many years in business and even continued on after Ethel and Gordon passed over into spirit form. Ethel and Gordon Mace ran their beloved Ballpate Inn for many years. When treasured items of spirits are kept in places in this world, these treasures can act like an environmental trigger that draws the former owners in spirit form. Ethel and Gordon had a rather large key collection, including some rather unique and valuable keys. The Mace family continued to run the Ballpate Inn until the Smiths bought it in 1986. In 1996, the Ballpate Inn was listed on the U.S. National Register of Historic Places thanks to the work done by the Smiths. They were dedicated owners who loved the inn and did their best in taking care of it. During the winter of 2016, Ballpate Inn was fixed up on a grander scale. Their publicity read, The historic homestead will be completely renovated by spring of 2016. After 30 years of being the owners of Ballpate, the Smith family, though, was ready to retire. Ballpate Inn, as of May of 2016, was for sale for $3,975,000. After 30 years, it's time for someone else to take the torch and run the Ballpate Inn. 
They will have the friendly spirits of Ethel and Gordon to keep them company with positive support. Spirits who love their place of business while alive sometimes don't want to retire to the spirit world, but choose to stay in their beloved place where they worked for so many years. They like to enjoy their memories as well. The spirits of Ethel and Gordon Mace have been seen by both staff and guests puttering around the halls of the inn. Ethel enjoys visiting her old room where she stayed. She sits in a rocking chair reading her Bible. She keeps an eye on the guests who stay in her room, though she is willing to share it. Both spirits visit the old storeroom, known now as the Key Room, where they visit their favorite keys in their lifetime collection, 20,000 keys to be exact. There have been many reports of the above experiences by staff, owners, and guests alike. No hard evidence, though, has been published online. Investigators are probably not allowed to come in and gather evidence because it is well known that Ethel and Gordon keep the living company and enjoy their most cherished place in this world. Is it still haunted? Most probably so. The many experiences reported over the years points to the first owners in spirit form, Ethel and Gordon, still enjoying their ball paid in. Next is the Copper Queen Hotel in the town of Bisbee, Arizona, which is 95 to 100 miles southeast of Tucson on Arizona Route 80, just 20 miles away from Tombstone. Bisbee is a high desert community nestled in the Mule Mountains, which has an elevation of 5,300 feet. Bisbee has the advantage of being 10 to 15 degrees cooler than Tucson or Phoenix, cities which are located on the flatlands. The four-story brick Victorian Italian villa style Copper Queen Hotel is described as being one of the last remaining historical gems of the Southwest. In fact, it is Arizona's longest operational hotel as it has been in continuous service as a high-class hotel since it was built so long ago. The hotel has two lovely lobbies and a full-service restaurant, not only inside dining but also an outside misted patio dining area as well. Of course, there is an Old West saloon and a banquet room for special events and receptions. The inside of the hotel is rich in 1902 style and elegance, with turn-of-the-century architecture, antiques, and ambiance. The city of Bisbee got its start when it was discovered in 1877 as being a treasure trove of copper, lead, and silver veins. Army scouts on the trail of rebellious Apaches were led by civilian Jack Dunn through the Mule Mountains, who was the first to discover the signs of considerable mineral deposits, which turned out to be enormous. It wasn't long before miners and speculators flocked to the area, staking their claims on the numerous huge mineral deposits, setting up a very prosperous mining settlement called the Queen of the Copper Camps. By 1902, when other mines were weakening, Bisbee was still growing and in need of basic services. It became incorporated as a city called Bisbee in 1902 and grew into a community of 25,000 people by 1910. The Copper Queen Hotel was built in 1902 by the wealthy Copper Queen Mining Company to provide high-class accommodations for visiting dignitaries, politicians, and other travelers visiting this booming city. For nearly a hundred years, the mines produced 8 billion pounds of copper, 102 million ounces of silver, and 2.8 million ounces of gold, along with millions of pounds of zinc, lead, and manganese. The mines survived price drops, labor costs, even World War II. However, like mining industry-based cities elsewhere, 
Sooner or later, Bisbee had to face the challenge of how to survive when the ore inevitably was used up. In 1975, the mines were closed for good, sending real estate prices in a tailspin. However, Bisbee was spared becoming a ghost town or suffering prolonged economic hardship because of several factors. The mild, year-round weather and its naturally early 20th century charm, as well as the cheap real estate, immediately drew retirees, hippies, visitors, and investors. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Bisbee soon became an art colony, a wonderful place to retire, and a huge tourist draw because of tourist-friendly interests. The variety of art shops and lovely hotels housed in turn-of-the-century buildings, which were ultimately restored to their former splendor. The Copper Queen Hotel, located in the heart of downtown, was kept up during its years of existence, always being a great place to stay and spend the night. It's not surprising that former guests hard-working employees and others connected to the hotel may decide to stick around in such a grand place. Throughout its history, it also provided gainful employment to residents of Bisbee, mostly respectable with one glaring exception involving female companionship offered on the hotel's third floor, which was tolerated during the early part of the 20th century. Miss Julia Lowell was such a female companion who kept company with men in rooms on the third floor of the Copper Queen Hotel during the 1920s and 30s, a time when prostitution was tolerated in Arizona. Traditionally, the young women who worked in this fallen angel industry hoped to find a husband among her many clients in order to join respectable society. Julia fell in love, hook, line, and sinker, at the age of 30 with the gentleman who didn't share her feelings. Though he enjoyed her body, he rejected her as marriage material. In despair, she killed herself. An active young eight or nine-year-old son of a woman who worked in the hotel's dining room used to play on the third floor. Tragedy struck when the boy died in what some call a dumb kid accident. He drowned while swimming in either the neighborhood pond or the San Pedro River. Some guests, it seems, enjoyed their stays in this hotel so much while living, they decided to stay forever and ever and ever. Dedicated employees continue to help out, not letting the fact that they are dead stop them. First off is the entity of the still alluring, flirtatious Miss Julia Lowell, who mostly haunts the west side of the building on the third floor and rooms, especially room 315, though she occasionally is seen in other spots in the hotel. Some men hear a female voice whispering in their ear, and no idea what she whispers. She only appears to men. Sometimes she is seen as a bright white smoke. It is said that men who sleep in room 315 are awakened in the middle of the night and treated to an eyeful at the foot of their bed. Julia dances a seductive striptease, smiling, as she fades away into the air. Julia has also been seen on the Grand Staircase, described as looking like a filled-out, real-looking person. 
with not much on clothing-wise, clutching a bottle of booze. The entity of the young eight or nine-year-old boy likes to play on the third floor and in the dining room of the hotel. The entity of this boy is a bit of a rascal who likes to hide various items belonging to the guests who stay in the hotel rooms, especially on the third floor. Guests can hear him crying when they run the water in the bathtub. The entity has appeared before guests wrapped in a towel. Children enjoying a meal in the dining room often see this friendly entity under their tables. There is an entity of an older, dignified gentleman who has chosen to spend his afterlife in a place he loved during his lifetime. He is described by witnesses as being tall, with long hair and a beard, dressed in a fine black suit, complete with a black cape and top hat. He appears to the living in the lobby and stairway and in rooms located on the fourth floor southeast corner. Witnesses have also caught the aroma of cigar smoke either before or seeing this stately apparition. A stately woman dressed in a black turn-of-the-century evening gown has been seen walking up and down the grand staircase as well when she is on her way to the dining room where she disappears. A reddish, brown-haired, solid pink complexioned apparition of a young woman in her early 20s appeared to a front desk employee in the dining room from the waist up. Her hair was up in a bun. She was wearing an early 1900-era's high-collar blouse. Perhaps she worked in the dining room as a server at some point. This same front desk employee would occasionally hear the sound of a woman walking across the dining room floor and the sound of her long skirt dragging across the room as well when no one was there. There is an entity, apparently a very friendly entity, named Howard, who checks up on the hotel employees, seeing how they're doing. Front desk employees often get a phone call from this past 1910 front desk clerk. After answering the phone, they hear a disembodied voice asking for Howard. While working on the hotel's computer, an employee feels a presence enter the office, then stands behind the employee and looks over the employee's shoulder as she feels chills run through her person. Another spirit of a man inhabits the third floor as well. Employees hear their name being called as they go about their jobs on the third floor and throughout the hotel as well. The heavy steps of a man's heavy boots are heard walking up and down the third floor hallway. Is this place still haunted? Yes, indeed. Entities still enjoy the hotel, especially at the third floor, which is a hotbed of activity. These entities are basically well-behaved, though some are a bit mischievous and perhaps a bit nosy, but mean no harm to the living. We know the next one. In fact, I did a show on it back in June. The Queen Mary out in Long Beach, California. A place of which I've spoken in recent months, like I said, and it is permanently docked at Long Beach Harbor next to the Catalina Cruise Building and in view of the Aquarium of the Pacific on the opposite shore. The ship's gross tonnage is 81,237 tons. Its length is 1,019 feet. It has 12 decks, three funnels, over 1,000 portholes and windows. If a person was to walk all over the ship, they could walk 20 miles without repeating any area. It is 181 feet tall from its keel to the top of its smokestack. There are many spirits on board, 
has been confirmed by sightings and investigations that have been done on board by different groups. After the RMS Queen Mary was pressed into service for World War II use as a troop carrier, she was painted gray and transformed into a troop ship cramming 15,000 American troops on board at a time to be transported to the war in Europe and Asia. This number of men was five times more than she was comfortably built to hold, so there were some pretty bad issues for the men being transported to include irritable moods, very crowded conditions, and the crowded conditions in the heat going into the Indian Ocean caused a lot of deaths. There was no air conditioning on the ship. At one point, the meals served were barely edible, and which is not something to be desired when you have a sour mood anyway. There was an uproar by the troops over the poor offerings of meals, and it caused the captain to call in a cruiser in their convoy to quell the potential mutiny, but not before violence occurred, ending in a death due to physical abuse. The good news is that the Queen Mary was never sunk or attacked by any enemy submarines. However, it is credited with taking out an Allied ship. This I did discuss earlier. The Queen Mary accidentally hit and sunk one of her escorts, the British destroyer Korokoa, during a miscommunication between the captains. The Korokoa was sliced in half and the Queen Mary suffered a tear in her bow because she was forbidden to stop because they were in a convoy and pick up survivors. Most of the people perished on the Korokoa. From 1946 through late 50s, the Queen Mary and her sister, the Queen Elizabeth, dominated the market in transatlantic crossings. And in 1967, the Queen Mary was retired from service and sold to the city of Long Beach, California after crossing the Atlantic 1,001 times. Her last voyage left Southampton on October 31, 1967 and traveled to the port city of Long Beach where she was permanently moored. Much of her internal machinery was taken out because she was going to be turned into a floating museum. There was one psychic examiner that many of us have heard of, his name was Peter James, said that there were hundreds of spirits still aboard the Queen Mary, making it one of the most haunted places in the world. Peter James led a ghost tour starting in 1991. James was aboard the Queen Mary around a thousand times, speaking to many of the spirits there. Experiencing a violent murder or execution at the hands of another inadvertently because of their own choices can cause the murdered to be restless, wanting restitution, justice, to have their story told, or sometimes wanting to participate in this world as best they can in order to make amends for their past behavior that got them killed. That cook who did a poor job of cooking for so many men was actually thrown into the ship's oven during a riot over the bad meals. And that took place when the Queen Mary was being used as a troop ship, of course. He died of the burns he suffered. Experiencing sudden death because of an accident or natural causes can leave victims in spirit form restless, wanting to continue their lives in this world, to either enjoy living or complete a task they were yearning to finish. Others can't get over their painful death, stuck in the moment. In the 1960s, a crewman was crushed and died in great pain when a door in what is called Shaft Alley swung shut on him. It wasn't supposed to happen, and this young man can't let it go. It says that during troop deployment to the Indian Ocean, it was extremely hot on board, 
and being packed in like sardines caused a death among the soldiers every seven minutes for hours. People throughout the years, both adults and children, have drowned in both the first class and the second class swimming pool. A traveler, Walter J. Adamson, who was a guest in 1948 and was checked into a third class room, B226 on the B deck, a room that is now known as B340 because when they refurbished the ship they closed down some of the rooms and apparently expanded others. Mr. Adamson died in his sleep while traveling to America. Perhaps he still wants to travel to America with the goal in mind. They say there are spirits of stowaways still on board, hoping to make it to America. In 1949, Senior 2nd Officer William Stark died from an accidental poisoning. Senior 2nd Officer Stark drank from a gin bottle thinking it had gin in it when it was actually, I believe, tetrachloride. There are people who enjoy being in a special place like a hotel or cruise ship and like to visit and stay permanently when they pass into spirit form. In the pool area, there's said to be a middle-aged female entity named Sarah in a green striped bathing suit in her 40s or 50s. There's another woman in a green bathing suit. There's a young woman wearing a mini skirt. This is all around the pool. Two little girl spirits, one named Jackie, enjoying the first class swimming pool. Apparently they drown in the pool as children. In the old first class lounge called the Queen Salon, the woman in white still enjoys her memories there. Though there are hundreds of spirits still on board the Queen Mary for a variety of reasons. The main kitchen, apparently the murdered cook hangs around there trying to help with the food, although I wish they wouldn't. He has been seen in the kitchen and out in the, the eating areas, and when he goes back into the kitchen, he disappears. There's moving dishes, lights which turn off by themselves, and kitchen utensils that go missing. They sometimes hear his ghastly screams while being burned. There are many more stories about the Queen Mary. There are even active stories that I read about nowadays. Is it really haunted? Possibly, very possibly. I don't say it's not. While I said that I was ending the hotel series this week probably, I will not. I have at least one more story to go. So I'm going to cut it off here and we'll pick up next week with more about the Queen Mary and then the other stories that I've got. I thank you for listening to Terry's Mysterious Moments. Thank you for tuning in. I would appreciate your comments on the show. Remember that you can contact me at Terry's Mysterious Moments at gmail.com or Terry's Mysterious Moments on Facebook. Uh, I have a Facebook page for the show. You can also download from your app store, whatever you have, Apple or Android. You can download the RPA app, the Real Paranormal Activity app. And if you download that and install it into whatever device you listen to most, then you can get Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast. You can get Aaron's Horror Show. You can get Terry's Mysterious Moments. And you can get the Sandman Lullaby, all without having to go through another podcatcher. So download that app, install it, open it up, and there you are. Bob's your uncle. Well, I'm going to say goodnight for now. Again, remember to, to listen to Real Paranormal Activity with Aaron Hunter on Mondays. 
to Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail on Tuesdays, Terry's Mysterious Moments with me on Wednesdays, and on occasional Thursdays, The Sandman Lullaby with Patrick Sean Jones. Y'all have a great week. Thank you again for being here, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you.